Good morning. I want to invite you to grab that message outline that you have right there with you. And if you might have missed one on the way in, if you still need one, raise up your hand. We'll get one to you as quickly as we can. But inside every um, worship guide is a message outline. We're starting a brand new series for Christmas. Now, as you're getting those in your hand, and hopefully you've got a pen so you can fill in the blanks and maybe underline and circle some scriptures, and maybe the most important thing is jot some whispers of the Lord right down on, in the margin of your notes. Let me just go back to the Miller family for a minute. Is your Christmas sometimes as complicated as theirs? You know what's interesting about Christmas is we put a lot of emotion and a lot of expectation and a lot of excitement around this holiday season, but sometimes things can get a little uncomfortable in our homes, sometimes can get a little bit of complicated. And some of our families, I bet you would be able to say, you know, for our family, we put the fun in dysfunctional at Christmas time. You know, that's what we do. Now, as we start this series, I, am, I want to tell you, I am so blessed, and I feel so fortunate. I was sitting out in the crowd just a minute ago thinking about how blessed I am to be able to proclaim God's Word during the Christmas season for so many years. And uh, I just want to say in advance, thanks for going on a journey with me. As we go back to a very familiar story, and as we study the Christmas journey, but as we look for new insights in it uh, about our own lives, and so that the gospel can speak straight to us. So we'll have, um, every Sunday we'll be talking about a complicated Christmas and how God takes complications and makes great things out of them. But the thing I wanted to mention to you before I dive into God's Word today is for many of you, you may kind of be new to Harvest Point, and let me tell you one of the most high and holy things we do all season long. It's called our Christmas Eve Candlelight and Communion Service. We design it so that it's only about a 45-minute worship service so that you're not taking too long away out of your schedule to be with your family. But it also gives us a chance to come and be with God's people, to mark that holy night, and to remember what it was like for God to come into the world. And so I want to invite you to mark Christmas Eve, 6 p.m. We're going to have a time of of short worship, um, a a message. Um, We'll have a time of having Holy Communion together. It's always great, great attendance. Some folks have uh, family with them in town that are normally not here, and it's a wonderful time for you to reach out to your family and bring them with you to worship. You come, mark that on your calendar, you will not be disappointed as we pause on that very holy day to worship the Lord. Well, we're talking about complicated Christmases, and I bet some of our families probably have stories in our mind of years and Christmases past where we would almost rival the Griswolds. And, and, And what's interesting, though, is as Christmas approaches... We don't really show that side of Christmas on our Christmas cards. Have you ever noticed that? When you get Christmas cards in the mail, they always look pristine. People are well, you know, well-dressed, or, or it's got wonderful Merry Christmases all over it. This week, I went on the Internet, and I tried to find Christmas cards of the way they really ought to look sometimes when we have complicated Christmases, and I thought I'd throw a few of them up here for you. This is what our lives really, uh, dear Santa, we can explain. Um, or how about another one? Kids duct-taped to the wall. Mom and dad enjoying some hot cocoa and a few moments of silence. I love this one. The real picture, but with, with captions from every child and them trying to get their picture for Christmas. And then just one or two more. That's, that's the complicated Christmas sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And a little baby climbing the Christmas tree. You know, there was no... More complicated Christmas than the first Christmas. I want you to think about that for a minute. How complicated was the very first Christmas? It's interesting that we have serene nativity scenes and very peaceful stories that we tell. 
But the truth of the matter is, that first Christmas was all about some very complicated things. An unwed teenage pregnancy. Does that sound complicated? There was uh, this girl named Mary, and guess what she told her family? It's okay, I'm pregnant. It's okay. Because an angel talked to me. You know, can you imagine that one? Mary, what'd she say? She said, I got the Son of God in me. Now, I want you to think about that. Which one of your cousins, if they showed up to Christmas and gave you that line for their pregnancy, would you go, okay, I believe that? Any of us takers on that? I mean, can you imagine Mary trying to have to explain this thing? And, and then it was followed up with a long-distance trip on a donkey, right? Now, how complicated is that? Can I just talk to the men here for a minute? Hey, men, you ever had a nine-month pregnant wife on your hands? You ever done that? Raise your hand real quickly. How many men? Yeah, now can you imagine telling them you're going to take a five- to seven-day tri- trip on a donkey? Can you imagine that for a minute? You wouldn't want to do that, would you? The truth of the matter is, complicated would be an understatement for that very first Christmas. And if you just pulled away and you looked at the Christmas story right here in the Bible, and you just looked at it, it would almost be as if you looked at all the hardship that God was going to send that young couple through, and you would say, man, that sounds more like a, a curse than a blessing. It sounds more like a hardship and complication than it does some great favor. But the truth of the matter is, you got your pen right in that first blank there. The Christmas story at the heart of it, the Christmas story is a story that is all about favor. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, favor. We're going to read a few scriptures. They're going to be New Testament and Old Testament. But I want you to grasp with me something about favor today because the Christmas story at the heart of it is all about favor. And if you get what we're talking about here today, this can be a game changer. Because if you really begin to understand favor, God's favor in your life, not only can it help you look at the Christmases that get complicated in a new lens, but it can really begin to change you, the way you live every day. This thing called favor. So with you, if it's okay, I want to invite you to turn with me to a very familiar story, a very complicated story, Luke chapter 1, right? And I want you to watch what God does in sending an angel to Mary. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Would you if you've got your pen, just real quickly, and if you're writing in your notes there, would you just underline three words? Are highly favored. Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor. Underline those two words. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Just a couple of things there. Look at what we underlined. We underlined that Mary was highly favored, and we underlined that she had found favor. Now, this is interesting because the Bible indicates to us two things. They're right there in your notes. Number one, notice this. There are people 
who evidently are favored of God. There are people, write that in. There are people who are favored of God. And then secondly, favor is something we can find or we can acquire. We can look for it and we can find it. Now, this is interesting. I think it's a game changer because here's what I pick out of this. If God is in the practice of giving favor and you and I can find favor, then I want to be one of those people that's seeking favor in my life. I want to find favor. I mean, what if it was said of me, or what if, wouldn't you like it to be said of you when the angel showed up to talk to you? You are highly favored. How cool is that? You are highly favored. So what does that even mean? What is favor? Because if God is giving out favor and we can seek and find favor, I want to find it. So let's talk about that kind of game changer for a minute. A couple of scriptures. Uh, the first scripture that I, I was looking at favor this week, I, look, I looked in the book of Psalm. Psalm 84, 11 says this. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. You might want to underline those last few words, those last four words. Those who walk uprightly. Those last four words give us a picture about what favor is. How do you get favor? It's got something to do with how you walk that you must walk uprightly. It's this picture of walking in righteousness, not walking in sin, not walking in darkness, not walking in rebellion to God, but walking in righteousness and upright walking with God. And this today, I'm going to talk about three different people in the Bible. And here's one, Mary, we already talked about her a little bit. We're going to come back to her in a few minutes. I want to talk about Noah because the Bible talks a good bit about Noah being finding favor. And then I'm going to talk about Moses. And let's look through the lens of just three people in the Bible and say, man, how did God give them favor? And what does that mean for how he might give us favor? So Noah first, okay? Look, look at Noah. The Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 6, Noah found favor. There's that word again. You can find favor. Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked, you might want to underline that word, he walked with God. This favor thing has something to do with how we live and how we walk. Noah was a righteous man, blameless, and he walked uprightly, and he walked with God. You know, not long ago, some of you remember this, we went to uh, go see the Noah movie. You remember that? Uh, we went over to the theater. We invited family and friends to go with us. Um, the movie was not very good. But, uh, but you know, I was, I was impressed by two things, two, two thoughts I had while I was watching the Noah movie. The first one was how familiar Noah looked. He almost looked like Russell Crowe. And then secondly, um, secondly, as I watched the Noah movie, I thought to myself, this just doesn't seem fair. I mean, it doesn't seem fair that God would save one family and that he would give favor to one man and that he would wipe out everybody else because they weren't walking in righteousness. As a matter of fact, if you read beyond what I gave you there uh, from Genesis chapter 6, you'll find out that God said the whole world was walking not uprightly. It was walking in great wickedness. And I thought about it. It doesn't seem fair. Isn't that a, I don't know about your family, but um, some families, fairness is a big thing. In some families, Fair is a word that is, if it's not ever, if it's not spoken a lot, it's still practiced a lot. I'm married into one of those families. Can I tell you that? In my family, we didn't talk a lot about fairness. I'm married into a family that was all about fairness. I mean, my mother-in-law, she, Julie's mom, she is awesome in the way that she gets all the kids' presents. They come down to within a penny of each other. That's the way she works on that whole fairness thing. Well, I'm looking at Noah, and I'm thinking about fair 
And then all of a sudden, I feel like God speaks to me. God just kind of says, it's not about fairness. And if you're going to get this favor thing, listen, if you're going to get this favor thing we're talking about from God's word today, you got to understand, we're not talking about fairness. Truth be known, life ain't fair. You already know that, right? And there's a lot of people who labor and work and work for fairness. Oh, it all, I just want it to be fair. I want what they got. And it's all, that's the way they live their life. It's all surrounded around fairness, fairness, fairness. But the truth of the matter is, listen carefully, fairness is just complicated. You're going to work, you're going to strive, and you're never going to feel like you get fair. But here's what I've learned. This favor thing changes the whole game from fair. What would it look like for us to seek after favor, not after fairness? Think about that for a minute, okay? What would it look like for us to seek favor, which I believe is far more simple, than fairness, which is complicated? Or here's a better question. Some of you might even want to turn your outline over and write this question down. What would it look like if for the rest of your life, what would it look like if for the rest of your life, you sought favor from a good God instead of fairness from a wicked world? What would that look like? What if favor became something you talked to God about, you sought after, you walked towards, you tried to say, God, I believe there's such a thing as favor, you give it out, and people can find it. I'm going to be after it. What would that look like if for the rest of your days, you sought after what one of my friends calls the fog? He says, every day I'm after the fog, the favor of God. What if you were after every day going after the fog? Well, favor, what is it? Let's, let's dive into it a little bit. I, I, was, I was looked up statistics this week, and I found out that more than 88 times, but at least 88 times, the word favor is used in the Bible. So what is favor? You know, when, when, just from your gut, if you were just to say, okay, this is what I think favor is, without the Bible, just kind of putting the Bible off for a minute and saying, what is favor? I think in your gut or in your mind, you might say, well, here's what favor is. Favor is preferential treatment. You know, I love Deanne. I like her a lot. I'm going to give her a little bit of preferential treatment. I'm going to do something nice towards her. I'm going to favor her. In our gut, that's what we think favor would be. Maybe God's giving preferential treatment to some folks. Now, if you know the Bible at all, there's, you, you, there, even though you might feel that way in your gut, you already know there's going to be some scriptures that argue with that. I mean, the Bible says very clearly God is not a respecter of persons. God doesn't play a favorite game, all right? That's what the Bible says. It says God doesn't treat preferentially. The Bible, the Bible tells me, that when I accepted Jesus Christ, I am fully loved. I can't, be, I can't do more to be loved. I am fully forgiven. He, he, he has accepted me fully. He's not going to treat me better if I can do X, Y, or Z. He's not going to give me preferential treatment. So that gut reaction to a favor is, oh, it's preferential treatment. That's really wrong. It, it's not really the heart of what favor is. And there, by the way, there are other options. So what is favor? Maybe another option is, well, favor is like stuff, you know. God's going to give me some stuff. He's going to bless my life. I'm going to have more stuff in my life. Maybe you think of it this way. God's going to give me favors, right? God's going to pour stuff into my life, and I'm going to be more blessed man if I'm favored of God. Now, I think you probably already figured out that God ain't Santa Claus. Have you figured that out yet? And that God doesn't, you know, look at us and say, well, you're nice and you're naughty, so I'm going to give you these presents and I'm going to give you coal. That's not the way God works, okay? God is not like Santa Claus, and he's not about stuff. That's not what he's all about. It's not about favors. We are not seeking after the favors or the stuff of God. We're seeking after 
the favor of God. Noah found favor in God's sight. What does that mean then? You know, I, I searched the scriptures and there was no clearer place to me than the Mary story and the Moses story. Moses found favor. So I want to invite you to read that story with me real quickly from the Bible as we talk about Moses and how he found favor. Now, can I just go ahead and admit something right before we read this? I don't want to pretend. I don't want to pretend for a minute that I, and I don't want, I don't want you to leave here thinking that Stephen's got favor all figured out. I think the favor of God, there's something supernatural about it. I think it's something mystical and cosmic and, 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 and just it's, it's, it's big in God's view. It's, it's something I, I don't know any of us can figure it out. But I think he's given us his word. And I think his word is powerful and true. And if we study it, we can learn a lot from the lives that have come before us about how God has acted in the past and how God will give favor and how God acts, okay? So I don't think I understand it all. But I think we can learn a lot just from this Moses story. So read it with me real quickly. The Bible says in Exodus 33, 12 through 17, Moses said to the Lord, see, you have said to me, bring up this people. By the way, he's already gone to Egypt. He's already rescued them out of Egypt. He's already part of the waters. They've been out in the wilderness. He's calling them to cross over the Jordan and go into the promised land. This is later in the ministry, okay? And God and Moses are having this conversation. So watch what he's having. Moses says, see, you have said to me, Bring up these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. God had said to Moses, Moses, I know you by name, and I've, I've found, you've found favor in my sight. Now, here's Moses' words. Now, if I have found favor in your sight, show me your ways so that I may know you and find favor in your sight. I hope you see the heart of Moses. He is saying, God, show me your ways so that I can walk uprightly. Remember, it's got something to do with walking and how we try to walk and right. Show me your ways, God. But listen to what else he says. So that I will find favor in your sight and consider too that this nation is your people. He's saying, God, I not only want favor, but I want all of us to be walking in your favor, God. And he says, give this to us. Now watch what happens. God said, my presence will go with you. Would you underline that? God said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses said to him, if your presence will not go, you might want to underline that. This favor thing has something to do with presence. We're picking up on that, aren't we? Moses said, if your, if your presence will not go, do not carry us up from here for how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people, unless you go with us? In this way, we shall be distinct. The presence of God will make us distinct. In this way, we shall be distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. I pick up from that scripture a couple of things. Presence, the presence of God and his favor are linked. They are linked together. And Moses is saying, God, I, we're gonna, we, how it, we can go and take over land, but the people won't ever know that we're distinct and we're your people unless your presence is all over us. The presence of God and the, and the, and the favor of God are linked. 
Now, I've got, I got a little simple definition in your outline there for favor. Um, but I think we can see it in Noah's life, Moses' life, and Mary's life. So write this in, if you will. And it's all about presence, power, and purpose. Favor is, write this in. Favor is the place where I walk in God's presence. And while you fill that in real quickly, I'm just going to pause for a minute and say, you can't walk in God's presence and not walk in uprightness, not try to walk a blameless life. You can't walk in God's presence and walk in rebellion. You can't walk in God's presence and try, try to live a holy life. This, this favor thing is about the presence of God. So it's, it's where I walk in God's presence, up, walk uprightly in God's presence, and I am receiving God's power. Think about Noah. Think about Moses. Think about Mary. How much did those guys need his power in their life? And their power came from favor to accomplish God's purpose. Simple definition. Favor is the place where I'll walk uprightly in God's presence and I'm receiving his power to accomplish God's purpose in my life. And something I'm picking up out of that means this. Presence and favor are linked together. And when I've got God's presence in my life and I'm trying to walk in righteousness and I feel his good presence in my life, then I can be assured of this. God's power will flow in my life, not for my purposes, but for God's purposes that he has planned for me. What would it look like if for the rest of your days, you sought to walk so uprightly, you walked in God's presence, you were being filled with God's power, and you were accomplishing the purposes of God that this Bible tells us long before you were ever born, he marked out for you. Now, you know that's what the Bible says, right? The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 10, that you are God's workmanship, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. The Bible says, Jeremiah 29, 11, God's got plans and hopes for you, not to harm you, but to give you a, a future. And, and, and a plan for your life. That's God's plan for you. So what would it look like if you sought to walk uprightly in God's presence? You received his power for his purposes. I think that's what it's about, to be learning, growing, grasping, finding what this thing is called favor. Now, think about it for a minute. Noah. Do you think Noah one day sat down with a little spiritual gifts test like we do here at the church? You know, we do a little spiritual gift test. You can fill in a little blank. And do you think he was going out through his spiritual gift test and he said, oh, look at there. <laughs> My strength is I'm a boat builder. I'm, I'm supposed to build a boat for God. You know, do you think that's how he figured it out? No, that's not how. And Moses, I don't think one day, you know, was, was talking to God or, or maybe playing with, you know, in a puddle of water after a rain and said, oh, look at there. I have the ability to control molecules and split seas, you know. He didn't do that. He didn't figure out their, they didn't figure out their purpose because uh, of, of some, you know, grandiose figuring it out, you know, on their own or some tests or, or some cleverness. Mary, listen, Mary wasn't one day sitting in a Bible study and, and talking with God and then all of a sudden going, oh, God, I think I may be the, 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 the best person on the planet for, for divine, virginal conception. You use me, God. Use me, okay? That's not how Mary approached it. And what I want you to get out of this, listen. I think a lot of times in our life, even in our spiritual lives, as we try to be followers of Jesus Christ, I think we bank a lot. And you even hear sometimes it, it's taught a lot about your talents and your passions. And God wants to use your talents. God wants to use your passions. But let me tell you. Favor was the game changer for Moses. Favor was the game changer for Noah. Favor was the game changer for Mary. We, we're still talking about Noah today, not because Noah was some incredibly talented guy, but because God gave him favor, 
And listen to this, when he walked in God's presence, he was given power to accomplish the purpose. For him, it happened to be saving the world through his own family. God gave Moses favor. And when he gave Moses favor through walking in his presence, then Moses had the power, which was needed to be demonstrated over and over and over again to accomplish God's purpose for his life, which was rescuing his people and delivering them into the promised land. And how about this little teenage girl named Mary? You know, sometimes I've sat there before and I've gone, God, how did it happen? I mean, how did, how did she stay obedient? How did she do what she needed to do? And you know, guys, I don't think it comes back to talent. I don't think it comes back to just sheer obedience. The angel showed up and she was surely, I think, the game changer. And the secret is right there in the text. The angel, when the angel came, the angel said, You are highly favored of God. This young girl was walking in the presence of God, seeking to live an upright life, and God comes along and gives her power to accomplish his purpose through her. Now, what's interesting? We're talking about this Christmas season, right? Complicated, right? Christmas can be complicated, and that first Christmas was so complicated. Real quickly, with Noah, do you think it was a little complicated for Noah when God showed up and said, hey, this is the plan? Do you think it got complicated? How about Moses? Do you think it got a little complicated when he put one foot back into Egypt after he'd murdered a man? Do you think it started to get complicated for Moses? And by the way, Mary, we've already talked about how complicated it was for her, right? What's interesting is, watch this, when the favor of God lands in a person's life, when they find God's favor, the the principle that I'm learning is that even in their most complicated and challenging moments, the greatest thing of their life happens. Now, how cool is that? Now, some of us, when we go through hardships, maybe it's your marriage, or maybe it's your, your, something going on at your work, or maybe you're, you're, you're experiencing financial loss, or maybe it's a wayward child. Some of us, when we go through our biggest hardships, we want to shake a fist at God and say, God, I want, come on, be fair with me. But what I want you to grasp is that's not what these people do. These people in the Bible, when they go through their hardships, they are trying to walk uprightly. They are trying to walk in holiness and blameless. They're seeking after God, and God bestows favor on them. They find favor. And in their moments of greatest difficulty, God's power shows up. And they live out their greatest purpose on the planet. That young teenage girl, I mean, she was going through the most difficult thing, maybe more challenging than any of us will ever go through. And you know what? Through that very complicated moment, she ushered in the Savior of the world. Now, how cool is that? Favor was on her life. Favor was on Mary. Now, you might be sitting here today and you might be saying, you know, well, I don't know that I need God's favor. I hope you wouldn't ever say that, but, but, but you might be saying, I don't need God's favor. Look at me. I'm the LeBron of spirituality. What do I need favor for, right? Let me go back again and say it. God didn't pick Noah because he was talented or he was passionate or he was skilled. Or he worked really hard. That's not why he picked Noah. It's not why he picked Moses, and it's not why he picked Mary. You know, I, I, we've got some very talented people in this room. And, and I know I normally shouldn't, I, I'm normally try, trying to be very careful. But you know, when I, especially when I speak about my own family. But I was preparing this sermon, and I was thinking about my life, and how for a lot of my life, I have banked on my skills. I have banked on what I do. I learned to sing at a young level. I learned to play football at a young level. I, I, I learned to do athletics. I learned to do 
speak. Uh, there's a lot of my life that is surrounded around my skills. But can I just tell you, as I was preparing this message, I was thinking, you know, you can be so gifted and skilled, and you can point your finger in the sky and say, yeah, it ain't about me. It's look, look what God gave to me. But at the end of the day, if you walk through your whole life and you don't really see the favor of God in your life, then I, I don't think you can truly, truly know what it's like to say, you know what, God's power's for me. I'm not doing this on my own. God's doing this through me. And you won't know what it's really like to, to accomplish God's greatest purpose for your life. And I'm sitting here, I'm preparing this message, I'm thinking through my own life. And many of you know, and I probably shouldn't, forgive me, Alex, but you know, my youngest son, we're working very hard right now on, on, on him. He's learned how to kick the ball and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of you guys know that he tries to, trying to kick and trying to get a scholarship and all that kind of stuff. They're playing for a state championship this week. Hallelujah, that's awesome. But you know what I was thinking? My mind fast forward like 10 years. I don't know what the next 10 years holds for my son, Alex. I don't. I mean, I know his dreams. I know what he wants to do with the skills and the gifts God's given him. I know that. I, I have a mind in my mind. I have a picture of what the next 10 years holds. But you know what I know about Alex and his dreams? They won't mean nothing if he ain't got God's favor. God, put, God could put Alex on the biggest stage, and he could kick a a game-winning field goal in the national championship. But if at if the end of the day, God's giving him that platform, and he can't use it to promote Jesus Christ, and he can't use it to, to point his finger at the, at the sky and say, this ain't me. It ain't my practicing. It ain't my power. It ain't all that I've done. It's God. God put me here, and he's accomplishing it. If, if it doesn't happen like that, then, then he won't really, he'll just be walking in his own power. and just be walking towards his own purposes. Are you hearing me? You know, I, grasp what I'm saying here real quickly. So I'm sitting in my office, and I'm preparing a message about the favor of God, and I start thinking about my own son, and I start praying for him, and I start saying, God, I don't know what the future holds, but give him your favor. Give him your favor. Let your favor be over his life, whether it's his dreams or whether he never accomplishes those dreams and you have a totally different purpose. Whatever it is, give him favor. And you know what I realized? I realize that I think that's the way God thinks about every one of us. Aren't we the children of God? Don't you think God wants, listen, get this, this is a game changer. Don't you think, Penny, God wants you to have his favor? See, it's, it's kind of like this. Every one of us are the children of God if, if, you, if, you, if you've received Christ. Now, if you haven't ever received Christ, listen, you might be, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't have a chance to have the favor of God over you. It's through a, through a relationship with Jesus Christ. When you've, when you've confessed Jesus Christ as your Savior and you've been washed to the blood, it's in that place you put yourself in a place to now receive and seek after and find the favor of God. But I think God wants his favor over every one of his children. And if you're sitting here today and you're saying, well, Stephen, whew, why don't I feel God's favor in my life? Why don't I feel, why don't I know God that I'm walking in God's favor? I would say you need to examine two things. Number one, if you know you're not a Christian, then you probably already know that you're not going to have the favor of God over your life. But listen, what you're hearing today is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God ain't mad with you. He's your daddy, and he just wants you to come home. And he wants favor over you, and he wants your forgiveness of your sins. He wants you as a child living in his house for eternity, right? So what better day than this first day as we're celebrating Christmas for you to say, you know what, God, I've stayed, I've stayed away long enough. I want to open up my heart. and I want to come home. 
I want you to wash me, Jesus. I want you to bring me. And I want favor. I want you to bring me into your kingdom, and I want favor. I want your good favor as my daddy God over my life. I'm going to pray in a prayer in a few minutes, and you can just, it might already be happening for you right now, because it ain't about a preacher's prayer. You can begin opening up your heart right now, and you can receive salvation right where you sit while I'm talking. And if you're a Christ follower, and you'd say, well, Stephen, I don't know that I'm experiencing God's favor. I just feel like, man, it's just a struggle for me to trying to live this Christian life. You know what I'd say to you? Look at these people we've talked about here today and just find the common denominators and then compare those people to your life. Every day, are you seeking to walk in uprightness? Are you really doing that? Or could you spot some places of rebellion and some places of sin in your life that are keeping you away from God? Are you willing to lay down those things? And are you willing to walk uprightly and seek after God's favor every day? Walking uprightly and experiencing the presence of God over your life is the beginning of your finding favor. Real quickly, Luke chapter 1. Watch what Mary did. Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Then Mary said, here, I, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Watch a couple of things about Mary here. Mary, Mary knows her identity, and I love how she says what her identity is. She says, here am I, the servant of the Lord. She is, her response when God speaks over her, the plan isn't, Man, I'm going to do great things, God. Thanks for, for, for voting for me. That's not her. Her identity is, okay, God, this is all about you. I'm your servant. Listen, I would say this. You cannot be experiencing the favor of the God with pride in your heart. You can't. God opposes pride, proud. He opposes pride. He says, I will be at war with you for your pride. The Bible says God gives grace, same word, in the, in the Greek, as the word favor. God gives grace, God gives favor to the humble. So what do we learn from Mary here? We learn Mary is humble. If you want to really receive favor in your life and you're not seeing that favor right now, it's time to humble yourself like Mary and say, here I am, God. I know who I am. I'm your servant. Humble. But watch the rest of it. Let it be with me according to your word. She's open. She says, let it be, God. She's, she's willing. She's obedient. She's like an open vessel for the purpose of God to be poured in. You know, Mary's plans, her purposes were probably for a beautiful wedding, you know, and a little family and all that, vacationing, you know. I don't know what her fam- plans were, but I know they got changed. She was open, and she said, God, whatever your plans are for me, I want your favor. I want your favor to stay over my life. She was open and willing for the favor of God. Some of you guys right here, listen. You might say, well, Stephen, am I too old? Am I too old to get God's favor? And I'd say, are you crazy? Are you crazy? Do you remember Caleb? He was 85 years old when when God says, the the Bible says the favor of God was on his life, and he said, give me the mountain country. I mean, he wasn't too old. And some of you guys right here, you might say, well, Stephen, I'm I'm 13. Am I too young to get the favor of God? Mary was a teenager. You're not too young to walk in uprightness. You are not too young to see the favor of God now over your life and experience the power of God. You can be too busy, but you can't be too young and too old. So what would it look like for you to say, you know what, for the rest of my days, I'm going to quit seeking fair. That's a dead-end street. It's complicated. It's laborious. I'm not about that anymore. What would it look like for you to wake up tomorrow morning? What would it look like for you today, even the next few minutes as I pray for you, 
to say, God, for the rest of my days, this favor thing for me is a game changer. Thank you for my talents. Thank you for my skills. Thank you for my passions. But it ain't about that. Because I will never walk in your power. I will never live out my purpose unless I have your presence. Don't send me forward if I don't have it. I want to seek your presence today. Look what I wrote in your notes there. Walk upright, seek my presence, and I will send my power, and I will show my purposes, and I will do a great thing through you. Seek my favor. Hey, with me real quickly. I'm about to pray. Would you just do this for me real quickly? Sit up straight. Sit up straight. You ready? All right. Sit up straight. Do this for me. Ready? You repeat after me. Oh, you don't have to do that piece. Just do this. Just do this. I'm talking about everybody. Just do this for me real quickly. Ready? Watch this. Do this. Here's the good news in Jesus Christ. If you're still breathing... God ain't done with you yet. He ain't done with you. (laughs) He ain't done with you, Robert. He ain't done with you. So today, as I pray, and I'm just going to invite you to find the altar right there where your seats are, okay? Three things. If you haven't given, given Jesus your heart, listen today. Why don't you just say, I believe that you're a good God and you want to be my daddy. Today I'm coming into your family. Would you adopt me as a child of the king? Wash away my sin. Give me eternal life. And he will do it before the words get out of your mouth and through your mind. Second thing, if you've been struggling and you've been struggling and it's in your life as a Christ follower has seemed more complicated than simple, why don't you just say this, God? I'm going to live seeking your favor here forward. I might have I done this much on my skills and on my gifts, but from here forward, I'm going to seek your favor like Noah, like Moses, like Mary. Oh, God, give me your favor. And if you're in the third category and you would sit here this morning and you would say, <laughs> listen, I know that I walk in the favor of God. I am blessed because I walk in the favor of God. Listen. The next step, what was the angel's word? You who are highly favored, keep on that path. Keep on that path of walking towards uprightness and having your heart towards God. Seek humility and say, God, I'm open. Just like Mary did, I'm open. What are your plans? I want to be about your plans for my life, not mine. Would you bow your heads and let's pray together? God, this favor thing is a game changer, but the the Bible is true, and it says that you give favor and we can find it. And Lord, I pray for every young person and old person here today. I pray for every middle, middle-aged person that's here. I just pray, God, that today we'd hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And for Lord, that person here today who might be the person who's never given their life to you, I pray today that they would say, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my Daddy God. Come in and fill me. I've been so void. I've been so hungry. I've been so far away. But I believe you love me, Jesus. Just like those words we sang a little, go, a little bit ago. I believe you love me. Wash me clean. Give me newness of life. Give me a purpose. And Lord, give me your favor. Give me your presence. Fill me with joy. I want joy, God. And Lord, for those of us who have been struggling and 
and only working in our own strength. Lord, let us lay that stuff down today and let us seek after your presence, God. And Lord, I want to I be a person who is highly favored. But I want to also be among a people who are highly favored, just like Moses said, God, so that the world would look at us and they would know that we are distinct because your favor and the presence of God is working over our lives and you're working through us. So Lord, today would you breathe on us? Just breathe on us. Let us even as we breathe in right now, let us be reminded that Jeremiah 29, 11 is true for us, that you have plans in front of us and a future in front of us. And it's, 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 a, it's a great future in front of us that you want us to live out towards your purposes. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your favor. We love you, Jesus. We love you. Lord, in the next few minutes as we give of our tithes and offerings, we give to your kingdom gain, and we give to be reminded that, Lord, you're a giving God, and you've called us to be givers as well. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would take our gifts and multiply them for the expansion of your kingdom on planet Earth. And, Lord, I pray that through our giving today, more and more people would be learning about what you've done, Jesus, and dying on the cross and coming back to life for us, and that the fame and the renown of the name of Jesus would continue to spread across this planet. Lord, this is my prayer. Do it through our giving in just the next few minutes, Lord. Amen.